Political leanings and facts of the case aside, what we are going to witness next week in the state Senate is part of Texas history. From the state of Texas, you have to go back over 100 years to find anything that's remotely comparable to what we're experiencing with the impeachment process of Attorney General Ken Paxson. That would have been the impeachment of the state's 26th governor, James Paul Ferguson. The House impeached him in 1917 after he vetoed appropriations for the University of Texas, according to the Texas Politics Project. For Paxton, the articles of impeachment cover an array of things, from accusations of bribery to using his office to influence his own trial. I'm Chris Blake, and this week on Texas Wants to Know, we'll walk through how Paxton reached the point of impeachment and learn what the process will look like when the trial starts on September 5th. The House sent 20 articles of impeachment against Ken Paxton over to the Senate. What, broadly speaking, do those lay out? Sure. Uh, There's kind of three buckets that the allegations against Paxton fall into. That's Lauren McGaughy. She's an Austin-based investigative reporter for the Dallas Morning News and has covered Paxton as closely as anyone. Most of the articles of impeachment touch on his relationship with this Austin real estate developer, Nate Paul, and he's accused of being bribed by Paul. The allegations are that Paul paid for a kitchen remodel in Paxton's Austin home and also got a job for a woman that Paxton was having an alleged affair with. And then in exchange, Paxton's accused of misusing his office to help Nate Paul with a bunch of legal problems that he had. And then there's a couple other issues that the articles of impeachment touch on. There are a number that touch on general allegations of misusing campaign finance reform documents or pushing back hearings in Paxton securities fraud case, which is a separate case that's eight years old. And then finally, there's a bucket of kind of We call them bad guy allegations, which are just kind of general, like he's unfit for office. He, you know, was derelict in his duty without specific instances tied to them. And those are all kind of stuck at the end. You said most of the articles involve the attorney general's relationship with Nate Paul. Who is he? We don't know a ton about Nate Paul's connections to Paxton. We know that Paul gave Paxton $25,000 to his re-election campaign in 2018. That's the most obvious connection the two men have. But other than that, we don't really know how they met or why they met, why they're in the same circles. Nate Paul is significantly younger than Paxton. He's in his mid-30s or as Paxton's in his early 60s. They don't seem to have much other overlap in terms of their circles, but obviously they somehow formed this bond. Nate Paul has been fighting numerous lawsuits here in Austin and around the state for years about allegations of financial impropriety against him, basically that he was using shell companies to keep his property empire afloat. And in the most recent tranche of filings that House impeachment lawyers filed last week, they kind of put out this narrative that Paxton felt some camaraderie with Nate Paul because Nate Paul was under FBI scrutiny and Paxton has been under scrutiny from similar kind of allegations of financial misconduct for years. And the relationship between Paxton and Paul, that's kind of what led to the whistleblower allegations from within his own office, right? Yeah, that's right. So in in late 2020, a group of eight employees at the time reported Paxton to the FBI 
And they alleged that he was being bribed and and misusing his power to help Nate Paul. And these were like pretty senior level guys. I mean, Paxton's second in command was among the whistleblowers, the head of law enforcement, the head of civil litigation, very senior level attorneys who had been trying to discourage Paxton from doing what he was doing within the agency for months. And after failing to get Paxton to kind of cut ties with Nate Paul, they decided to report him to law enforcement. The impeachment process kind of started when Paxton asked the state to pay the settlement for the whistleblower lawsuit, right? So why was it that item that was the one that tipped the scale? Well, that is something that I'm hoping to be able to answer the question to at some point without knowing exactly what was going through the House Ethics Committee's minds at the time. We just know that it was the item that tipped the scale. You know, Paxson has been under all of these clouds, all the scrutiny. All the, he's had a lot of scandals over his tenure. And when he asked the legislature for $3.3 million to kind of settle his latest beef with someone, they just weren't having it. They put their foot down. And it's very that's very unusual because the legislature is tasked with funding whistleblower lawsuit settlements. It's in the law. And so the fact that they said, no, we're not doing it this time kind of showed that their their patience has worn a little thin when it comes to the attorney general's many legal problems. I think the bottom line is, is for the legislature, they just felt the money should not come from the taxpayers. Julie Fine is the Texas bureau chief for Bloomberg News. They, whether it was a campaign account they thought it should come from or any other source, I think a lot of Republican legislators and Democrats said on the record, this is not where taxpayer money should be going. So I think many felt they the goal of actually going to the legislature And asking for that funding might have been a bridge too far for some of them. Attorneys that were working in his office that he appointed to positions would have presumably been Republicans as well. So where is Paxton standing within the party in the state right now? Oh, well, that's a very good question. Um, (laughs) It kind of depends who you ask. Texas Republicans have been in control of the state for since Ann Richards. And so it's not one monolithic party. It's not one monolithic way of thinking. And for at least 10 years, there's been a lot of infighting in the Republican Party about direction and tactics and all that. And I think this Paxton impeachment is laying that bare, the disagreement in the party yet again. Well, the House is controlled by a moderate, Dave Phelan. And what Phelan decided to do, and this is only really Phelan knows why he decided to do this, is that he decided to do something that his fellow Republican leaders had never wanted to do, and that is make a overt attempt to remove Ken Paxton from power. Mark Jones is a political science professor at Rice University and the James Baker Institute for Public Policy's political science fellow. The Republican elite wants Paxton gone, but the Republican base, that is the people who populate a lot of Republican precinct level meetings, the people who vote in the primaries, that group likes Paxton. So if you look at the legislature, the House voted to impeach Paxton overwhelmingly and including the Republicans in that chamber. Most of them voted for impeachment. All five Collin County Republicans, which is where Paxton has lived for decades, voted for impeachment. If you look simply at who's come out to defend Paxton, we haven't seen any strong statements from the governor, the lieutenant governor who's going to be the judge in this case. There's been few other 
top ranking Republicans in Texas who put their neck out there to say that he's innocent. I think that's really telling. Let's go back a little further to the first charges against him uh, in 2015 when he was indicted on fraud charges. What's the source of those charges? And you've kind of alluded to it already, but why hasn't that case gone to trial yet? Just months after Paxton was elected AG in 2015, he was indicted by a Collin County grand jury. He is alleged to have basically gotten a bunch of people to invest in this technology company and didn't tell them that he was had gotten free shares from the CEO. So that was a financial fraud allegation there. And then he's also accused of funneling clients to a friend's investment firm without being registered with with the state. These are all felony allegations, which you know carry 10 to 99 years in prison. The case has been stymied for eight years because of a variety of things, but it's mostly been fights over how much the special prosecutors in the case should should make. The local DA had to recuse himself, so they brought on outside lawyers. And they've also fought over where the trial should take place. The crimes, alleged crimes happen in Collin County. The prosecutors wanted to have the trial in Houston. And ultimately, the prosecutors have won out. Now the case is firmly in the Houston court system. It has restarted. They've had one hearing now eight years after the fact, but they're pushing all of that back until after the impeachment trial. Over the last two weeks, House impeachment managers and Paxton's team have filed thousands of pages of documents. The documents filed by impeachment managers in particular sparked a slew of headlines. From the House impeachment lawyer side, they filed almost 4,000 pages of evidence at the end of last week. And some of the more salacious details have to do with Paxson's alleged affair and the fact that he is alleged to have had a, a fake Uber account that kind of ferried him to and from this woman and to and from Nate Paul's home um, and that he had burner phones that he used to avoid scrutiny, even from his own staff. First of all, nothing's proven. These are allegations at this point. I mean, sure, these are this is a lot to read. There's some jaw dropping things in there, certainly. But what my reaction to this is and to most other things is Take the jaw dropping or whatnot out of it. This is up to a group of state senators. And this is a Republican Senate. And they need two thirds to convict. So it's really not what they say to me. It's what these documents say to them. So from Paxton's perspective, his team has filed a slew of motions trying to get all of the impeachment articles dismissed. And he is arguing that he didn't do anything wrong. And even if they can prove he did what they're accusing him of, that those offenses aren't impeachable. They don't rise to the level of being impeached and removed from office, that he was in his authority to to help someone that he believed was legitimately under improper scrutiny. So that's how we got here. What happens next? Jones, the Rice University political science professor, will walk us through what we can expect from the impeachment trial. Maybe this is a redundant question, but what has to happen for a public official to be impeached in Texas? It's as simple as just getting enough House members to vote for it, right? Yeah, no? right. You can at least start the impeachment process for any public official in Texas simply by getting a majority vote in the Texas House. It's rare, though. So it's hap- there was a case with a judge back in the 1970s 
And before that, you have to go back to Paul Ferguson um, in the days after World War One, uh, over 100 years ago, to find another impeachment. So that's to say that the impeachment process is rarely used for high-level officials in the state of Texas. What the House decided to do is once they were going to go after the attorney general, they decided to go all in. And they brought everything but the kitchen sink. We've seen presidents impeached. Bill Clinton in 1998, Donald Trump twice in his first term, but not an impeachment in Texas. Jones says one of the biggest challenges might simply be the 106 years that have passed since Ferguson was impeached in 1917. There's no precedent. And so the rules are more open and more amenable to being crafted and designed in the way that uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick can say Republicans want. There's a, there are fewer constraints on what they do because there are no precedents of how you run an impeachment in Texas. When you have to go back over 100 years for your sole example, that suggests that there really is little precedent. And therefore, uh, the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has been empowered along with the, the senators to effectively design this impeachment process as they see fit. They aren't really being constrained except for, you know, at the very high level. So when we get started on September 5th, what will we see maybe on that first day and in the first couple of days? Well, I mean, I think what we're likely to see, if not on the first day, at least on the second day, although possibly on the first day, is a motion to dismiss all of the charges against Ken Paxton. And the principal argument that would be used for 19 of the 20 charges, well, not all of the charges are actually being considered by the Senate, but the argument that would be used for all but one of these impeachment articles would be that they all occurred prior to Ken Paxton's most recent election as attorney general in November of 2022, following something that's referred to as the voter forgiveness doctrine, which applies to statutory impeachments in Texas, but not to a political impeachment like this. The argument there is that voters had a chance to toss Ken Paxton out in November, and yet he defeated Rochelle Garza's Democratic opponent by 10 points. Paxton received 53% of the vote to Garza's 44% in November 2022. He also handily defeated primary challenges from then-Land Commissioner George P. Bush, former Texas Supreme Court Justice Eva Guzman, and former Congressman Louis Gohmert ultimately garnering 68% of the vote in a Republican primary runoff with Bush. The general argument being made there would be that voters were aware, at least potentially aware, of all of the issues that the House has referred to, perhaps not all the salacious details of Ubers and clandestine meetings in the name of Paxton's paramour's apartment. But, you know, they it was pretty clear that a lot of this existed. Were voters aware of it? I doubt it. But at least most of them. He's the incumbent. And to oust an incumbent in a primary, you really have to have very high turnout for a primary. You don't get the turnout in primaries that is even close to a general election. So I think that has something to do with it for sure. And I think there are people that really, really support Ken Paxson. I mean, this is, don't forget, 2015, his legal problems already began and he still got reelected. If Republicans want to acquit Ken Paxton, if that's their overall goal, the best way to do it and the least painful way to do it is to dismiss the charges outright based on the argument that all of the alleged activity occurred prior to his most recent election. The alternative would be to let the trial proceed, which would mean every charge would be laid out in detail before the Senate. So of those two scenarios... Paxton being acquitted or the Senate allowing the impeachment process to proceed, which one do you think is more likely? It's tough to tell. I mean, it's because really what we're talking about here is a political calculation being made by one lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, and 19 Republican senators. 
Uh, we're pretty sure that our maybe 18 since Angela Paxton won't be voting and we assume she's not going to vote for impeachment, although she might. And that's a that's a difficult decision because for Republicans, they have to counter, they have to weigh sort of two different things. One is that the Republican base, primary voters, still is very supportive of Paxton. On the other hand, for a lot of these senators, they've wanted to get rid of Ken Paxton for years. A majority of Republicans, at least in private, would consider Ken Paxton to be an embarrassment and believe that all of his problems, whether it's the le- it's the indictments on securities fraud, whether it's the FBI investigation, whether it's abuse of his office for personal gain, whether it's the extramarital affair, whether it's stealing a pen in Collin County a long time ago, that all of those things make him a weaker attorney general and therefore less effective than someone who could be just as conservative and probably would be just as conservative, but without all of those problems. But it's not just Paxton's fate that senators will have to consider. Some of them will be taking their own political future into consideration. Six of them, or seven if you include Angela Paxton, have to face that base in the March primaries. And can be probably assured that unless they have really strong coverage from the lieutenant governor and pretty much the rest of their senators, that they're going to face a a strong primary challenge and could potentially lose. I think what the dilemma that Republican uh, senators face is that they will be the ones that will bear the cost primarily for impeaching Ken Paxton, but they will be doing a great service to both the state as well as the general population, as well as the Republican Party, if they do vote for the impeachment. We've heard Jones make a couple references to Angela Paxton. That would be State Senator Angela Paxton, the Attorney General's wife. The Senate had to make a decision about how to treat Angela Paxton. You know, normally you would not let a juror sit on a jury if they were the spouse of the defendant. In this case, they decided to adopt a mid-strategy or midpoint strategy, where on one hand, they won't allow her to participate in votes, but this is key, they will allow her to be on the floor, which for the issue of an impeachment means that her vote effectively counts for exoneration or acquittal because she's in the denominator, which because the what the rules say is you need two thirds of the vote of the senators present. So as long as she's president, she counts as a no vote. If Paxton is impeached, he would be removed from office and Governor Greg Abbott would name a replacement to stay in that office until the fall of 2024 when a special election would be held to complete the rest of the four-year term. I do think, though, first or second day will give us a very good signal of which route Republicans uh, intend to go down. Obviously, if they if they dismiss the charges, it's pretty clear that's an acquittal. Uh, it's a, or it's a backdoor acquittal. If, on the other hand, they allow it to go forward, that would suggest to me that at the end of the day, Paxton will be impeached because it's not particularly good politics to let all of the dirty laundry all of the witnesses, all of the discussion rise up from a specialized media and a specialized politically interested or savvy electorate to the general population who starts learning about Ken Paxton, things that they didn't know before. The more information that gets out there like that, the more difficult it's going to be to vote for acquittal. I'm Chris Blake at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thanks for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I wrote and produced this episode with editorial support from Cooper Mall, sound design by Mike Bass, and original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer for National News Podcasts is Myron Kaplan.